Welcome to this podcast produced by Imagine, your resource for early childhood music therapy. Imagine is published by De La Vista Publisher and can be found on the web at www.imagine.musictherapy.biz. This podcast is entitled Tips from the Trenches and presented by Jean Nemeth. Dr. Nemeth has worked with children in inclusive public education settings for over 30 years and currently serves as the music therapist for Cheshire Public Schools in Connecticut. The integrative preschool classes she works in have a 60 to 40 ratio of children who are typically developing to children with special needs, including autism spectrum disorder, developmental delays, and sensory and physical impairments. Dr. Nemeth is a frequent presenter and author and holds the position of Vice President-Elect in the American Music Therapy Association. In this podcast, Dr. Nemeth offers ideas for promoting young children's inclusion success. Discussion emphasizes a scaffolding approach, session setup and flow, music selection, the power of rhythm, therapist demeanor, instrument strategies, and positively engaging young children. What I would like to share with you today are some inclusion tips to foster success for young children with special needs in group settings. These tips from the trenches are both research and experience based. First, let's talk about scaffolding. The research shows that the best means of fostering skills for children with special needs, not to mention all learners, is a scaffolding approach. As exemplified in the 2007 study by Meyer, a combination of modeling, explicit instructions, direct feedback, and repeated practice provide the best opportunity for skill acquisition. Interestingly, an inclusive setting provides an excellent environment for simultaneous application of all these techniques. The presence of both adult and numerous peer models ensures that whatever a child sets his attention, the opportunity exists for viewing a desired response. And as anyone who has worked with young children can attest, children are often much more interested in other children than adults. Within music-based programming with a group, multiple opportunities for direct skill practice and repetition are inherently embedded in the format. For example, bilateral hand coordination can be fostered through tapping or clapping the beat during a movement activity, then by strumming a guitar and later by shaking a pair of maracas. The direct bodily feedback received from such repetition goes a long way toward fostering the desired skill. Moreover, peer feedback is always present when children are asked to work in pairs to play a drum, through a group circle dance, when holding a triangle for a partner to tap. It is easy to see how scaffolding and inclusion go hand in hand. Now for some tips on how to make the inclusive setting work for your student with special needs. 1. Circle formation. I always set my groups up in a circle because I firmly believe that a circle formation provides the best opportunity for children to learn. Without going into its Zen aspects, circle seating provides what I call the three S's, structured, safe, space. There's a sense of equality to a circle. All the participants have equal access to me as well as a clear view of all peers and thus multiple modeling opportunities. In addition, I have direct access and can easily move across the space to assist any child as necessary. Lastly, this formation inherently provides a controlled space for movement, which is most helpful for children who are not adept at regulating their bodies in large, unrestricted areas. The circle is something I always insist upon. Conveying the reasoning behind this arrangement is usually all that is necessary to get classroom staff on the same page and supportive. 2. Structured seating. In my setting, we use box chairs. This automatically provides each child with a designated personal space, any necessary postural support, and a sense of the boundary to our inclusive circle. 
The designation of my space offers children a sense of safety and place in the circle as well. Even if you don't have these chairs, I would still advise that there be some type of seating designation offered. For example, a rug square, poster board circles to sit on. One more tip here. We call it the magical musical mix-up. In instances where discord arises between neighbors or a better seating position is required, we employ several verses of a magical musical mix-up song and make a game out of using children's seats. Two names are called within the lyrics. If you hear your name, you must stand up and switch seats with the other person. And that way, social disruptions to the session can be dealt with in a positive manner. Three, sit at the children's level. My my preference is to always keep my body as close to eye level with the children as possible. I always sit on a low box chair or, if necessary, on the floor. This technique provides a sense that we're all in the music together and de-emphasizes my position as a leader in deference to children taking ownership of their learning. In addition, working on eye contact skills is best affected if children can look naturally, not continually craning eyes upward. Four, consistent greetings. My sessions with young children always open and close with a consistent hello and goodbye song. While providing the necessary repetition for children with special needs to learn the sequence, these songs also act as a transition signal both in and out of the music therapy session. It is always interesting and gratifying to see how successful children with special needs become at completing the peer and adult readings with ever greater independence and ease. A tip here. During these individual greetings, have the entire group support the song by maintaining a rhythmic knee-tapping motion. This avoids potential downtime issues and maintains a sense of group cohesion. Five, high-low probability activities. I also always structure my sessions by alternating what I call high and low probability activities. High probability are activities that all the students can be successful with, while low probability refers to those tasks and skills that are harder for the children. For example, I almost always follow the greetings with some sort of simple rhythmic movement like singing and tapping knees or following a series of movement patterns. Everyone can successfully participate at their own level and it gets the group working together. I then introduce harder tasks by alternating these with easier or familiar material. That way the children are giving breathers within the session and remain engaged and enthusiastic about the work. Six, live versus pre-recorded music. There's an ongoing debate within the music therapy community about the use of live versus pre-recorded music. My take on this is that I use a combination of both. While no recording can ever match the immediacy and spontaneity of live performance, this must be juxtaposed with the realities of working with a group. There are times that I need both my hands and often my voice as well to prompt and assist children's responses. Using a recording affords me that opportunity. In addition, providing young children with exposure to a wide range of musical genres and rich orchestration is something that I alone cannot do. That being said, carefully selecting music with proper pitch level, tempo, structural complexity cannot be overemphasized, which is why we are trained music therapists. Whether live or recorded, care must be taken to always choose the music wisely. 7. Take what they offer and run with it. When working with all children, what you expect is often not what you get and what you get is what's important. Always be ready to shift gears and go with whatever comes up. Powerful learning can result. For example, recently I was introducing a star-shaped tambourine to a group of four-year-olds. One rather quiet little boy piped up, Hey, that's like the Twinkle Star song. I like that song. Can we sing it? Of course, we switched gears and sang that song. And a nearby child who had never made more than random sounds shocked us all by humming the melody. Never lose sight of the opportunities that can arise from being flexible. 8. Rhythm is a most powerful tool. 
As recognized by the NMT methodology, the human body naturally entrains to rhythm. The same goes for young children. It is always interesting to alter the tempo of a rhythmic response, such as clapping or tapping, to see where each child plugs in. At some point in ratcheting up the tempo from slow to fast, nearly all the children I've ever worked with begin to respond. Watch for that and use it as a means of entry. I call it a gotcha moment or a musical bridge. Once a child displays this natural response to the music, you can then begin to take it where you need them to go. Work slowly, but once you get them across that musical bridge, wonderful things can happen. Be observant. 9. The Magic Bag Your tool, music, is powerful and magical. However, if not applied carefully, it can overwhelm or overstimulate young children, especially those with special needs. To keep children engaged, I treat my instrument bag as magical. Only special things come out of it, and only at the right moment. That way, attention is drawn to where you want it to be, and engagement during activity transitions is minimized. 10. No downtime. Be infectious. Small children require constant engagement to stay on task. Downtime is deadly. Keep that in mind and structure your sessions with a continuous flow whenever possible. Be so familiar and sure of your plan that the session moves naturally without pauses. This takes practice. It is important to get out of your head and be over where the children are. Idle hands and minds will find things to fill them. Make sure it's the music and the movements and the activities you provide. A couple crowd control tips. Eggs in the nest. Use the lap space or the space between crossed legs as the nest where small instruments rest when not being played. For longer or larger instruments, use the stick garage. Have children park their sticks, one on each shoulder when not playing. Whenever the music stops, the instrument either goes in the nest or they are parked until it becomes an automatic group response. Lastly, but definitely not least, be infectious. Music is fun. Should be fun. The best way to affect this is to put yourself in the session. When working with young children, we have the privilege of tapping into our own inner child. Don't be afraid to engage yourself fully. Be excited. To quote an off-sided phrase, embody the change you want to see in the world, and in this case, the world of the child. Thanks for listening to this Imagine Podcast produced in 2015.